Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another stupendous, unbelievable, and altogether outstanding episode of FNO InsureTech with your host, Rob Beller. And That's Lee right. Boyd. That's right. Oh, I'm sorry. And who? <laughs> <laughs> the other guy. Oh, that's Rob right. Rob Beller and the uh-huh. other guy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I like that. That's catchy. Rob and Rob the other Beller guy. Rob Beller and the other guy. Maybe we could uh, just rename the podcast Rob and the other guy. How are you, Lee? We've had we've had a long day today, haven't we? It is a long day. We sometimes do these in the morning, and I uh-huh. I enjoy doing them in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh, but now it's five o'clock and I'm tired. Uh, but I'm I'm good. It's been a good day. It's okay. a beautiful day okay. uh, outside, and uh, okay. and I'm I'm in a good mood. How about how's, you? How's things? Are you busy? I'm busy in my secluded office. Okay, well, because yeah. here we are in another uh, fabulous episode of FNO InsureTech uh, from in deep inside of sheltered in place. But the few we of are. us that aren't sh- sheltered in place, because Lee Boyd is considered an ins- an essential worker. And he's mm-hmm. in our office in Waco, Texas. Self-imposed. Thank you, Lee. Yeah, you're you. welcome. Thank you you know, I service. actually took, I I, I I took the trash out today, uh, all four pages that were in there, and um, yeah, we are clean. We are we are good over here now. Good. Well, we hope that all of you out there listening to this are good. And speaking of good, we have a really good podcast today. We have a guest who I think will not only really impress you but also um, surprise you the breadth of information and knowledge and know-how that the man has. Yeah, I'm excited. We get to talk to Lyle Donan today. Uh, just a, a intelligent man and a, a wonderful speaker, somebody that I've been looking forward to for uh, well over a month or two, having him on. So uh, we'll get to talk all about what Donan Engineering is doing and, uh, and what, their, what their future looks like. Yeah, Lyle is the third generation uh, of Donan to to run the to run the company, and has done remarkable things with it. And the reason that we wanted Lyle on today is that not only is he a an engineer and runs an engineering firm, which is what Donan's primary uh, work is in the with primarily to insurance carriers, but he's also very active in other insure tech uh, ideas and spaces. And the way that he brings that all together under one roof and under one concept, I think is really progressive and really interesting. So we wanted to have Lyle on to share some of that with us. Yeah, it's almost like he has a master plan in his head. Uh, I'm excited to get in there and see what it's all about. So without further ado, let's go to our interview with Lyle Donan, president and CEO of Donan and Donan Forensic Engineering. Hey everybody, we're here on another Shelter in Place episode of FNO InsureTech with a guest from a segment that we have never 
had the opportunity to visit with or talk to before, and that is the forensic engineering and just engineering side of the insurance claims equation. And we have with us a friend and a guest, Mr. Lyle Donan from Donan. Hey, Lyle, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast today, guys. And and we find you at home, right? <laughs> Very much so, yes. <laughs> and home is where? Home is Louisville, Kentucky. I'm a Kentucky guy from the rural part of the state and now found my way in the big city of Louisville. Big city. Yeah. Hey, you like the big city? 1.2 million folks. That makes us a, um, a big city in a uh, small part of the United States, I suppose. Yeah. I, I, I love Louisville. That's a great area. Yeah, same here. I, we've been to Louisville a couple times. Have you ever heard of Kern's Corner? No, I don't know Kern's Corner. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I'll take you there next time we go there. Yeah. I'm going to look as soon as we finish. Yeah, a nice burger place, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Our mutual friend Corey Rice can take us all there and he can pay for it too while we're at it. But 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 That's moving right. right along. Um so Lyle, you are the president and CEO of Donin. Uh tell us, give us a minute or two on what Donin is and what you do and what you guys are up to. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Rob. So I like to tell our business in really three different buckets. The first would be field investigation services. That's forensic engineering and fire investigation. We've got about 275 folks or so across the United States that operate in those two businesses of forensic engineering and fire investigation. The next category of work that we do is around um, subrogation, property claim subrogation. Specifically, our focus there is on non-weather interior water losses. And there's uh, three different business entities that, that serve that market segment. And then the third part of our business is InsureTech, in, amongst other things. So that's where we develop technology, we purchase and leverage innovative tech, and we also make investments in InsureTech. And those are the three primary buckets of our business. Very cool. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on today was because this intersection of different segments that you have brought together and under your leadership at the company have emerged and come together. But that's one of the stories that we want to talk about. Tell us the Donan story. Yes, this is these three segments are where you are today, but uh, that's not the whole Donan story, right? Share that with us. Yeah, quickly, the business was founded by my grandfather right after World War II, 1947. And at that time in the United States, uh, post-war, our economy was going like a rocket ship. And frankly, the fuel for that rocket ship throughout most of the United States was this thing called coal. Now, today, coal is a four-letter word, and it's dirty energy, and you know, we're ever, there's a lot of energy against coal. But at that time, it was the cheapest, most abundant fuel, and our business was an engineering company that served the mining sector, predominantly the coal mining sector, across the entire United States. But here in Kentucky, we have a lot of coal. So that's where the business got its roots. And interestingly, it was coal mining that drug us into forensics and got us into insurance. And the linkage there is that in the 1950s and 60s, we were being asked to investigate property damage claims, which were somehow being attributed, attributed to mining. 
So for example, Last lasting claims or um, land subsidence, somebody would mine underneath the building and the ground would settle and it would cause property damage. So as engineers, they brought us in to say, hey, can you figure out, are these mining activities causing these property damages? And then, you know, that frankly brought us into the world of being expert witnesses at trial. Yeah. And through word of mouth, the attorneys would say, hey, call Donan. They would be litigating some property damage. They, hey, call those Donan engineers. And so that's what really in the early years brought us into investigating property damage was mining. So, you know, fast forward, the business, you know, grew and contracted and grew and contracted and one thing led to another. And in 1999, my father made the decision to only focus on doing forensics, property forensics. And most of those customers were insurance carriers, not all, but most. The rest of the business he sold and carved off. And so frankly, since I joined the company in April of 2000, and since then, it's been nonstop 24 7, 365 property damage and investigating property damage. That's what we still do. And you're one of the largest in your category in the country, isn't that correct? I, I believe so. There's no third party data that accurately reports out our company and our competitors in terms of volumes, revenue, et cetera. But based upon the intelligence we can get, yes, we believe we are, um, depending upon however you want to stack and size and compare companies, we're certainly one of the largest. Give you a sense of scale. We'll do north of forty thousand investigations this year. Wow, that that's more than I thought. And each one will have a professional engineer on that, correct? Or most of them? Well, most of them. So go back to those field services. In the field, we've got civil, structural, mechanical, electrical, geotechnical engineers, and registered roof consultants. That's doing the the engineering uh, forensics. There's about soon there will be about a hundred. Uh, fire investigators who all day, every day are investigating fire losses. And then the other professional side of the business is the subrogation services, the, the testing and support services that we do there. For many years, you and I went to a very small invitation only boutique conference called Property Innovation Summit. I don't believe it exists anymore, sadly. And uh, it was a great conference. And every year at the conference, they would have the sponsors of which we were one and you were one uh, present a, you know, a, a little five minute presentation about their company. And everybody always looked forward to Donance the most because you, and I don't have any other better word for it than you're a showman, you're a showman. And you would get up and you would have some cool toy or, or object or implement that you would share with the audience. Um, uh, you're, you're, you're a gadget guy. Is that, is that fair to say? I love it. I'm a total gadget guy. I, I, look, I'm a self-described nerd. Um, and when I find something that, that gets me interested, I just grab onto it and sink my teeth in and I play with it until I can tear it apart. And so Rob, I think, you know, you're referring to one year I did a, a presentation on, on drones and this was like, yes, 2011 uh, right. or 2012. I mean, like way before um, drones were early, something. Early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was at, on that time talking about where we think drone technology can take our industry. And, and I was proudly saying that I've crashed more drones than I've, than I successfully own and operate today. 
you know, we, 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 we've played with robots, right? So our company has invested in consumer grade and military grade robots, and we've deployed them into large, large property losses around the United States. And so that's another example of me, you know, picking around with technology and, and playing with it. And, um, you know, that sort of spirit of just wanting to use the playground of property damage and claims as a great way to test tech. I mean, it's just fun. I just love doing it. Yeah. You know, you, you made me think of something. So you're talking about drones and then you're talking about certified roof inspectors or uh, people working who are out there looking at damage. Do you ever run across a time where you're asked to go out there and verify if damage is being caught by, by these drones? Uh, or what is your thought on that? Or is there any comment you have on that? Yeah, so there's there's two comments on roofing and drones. One is, and it's it's based upon their application. Are you trying to, and this is, we're speaking of claims, right? So are you trying Correct. to look for hail damage? Or are you looking for wind damage? Or is it both? Okay. And yeah. so when I see um, claims where we've leveraged a drone and there's there's something wrong, like somehow we've gotten it wrong, it's not that the drone did anything it wasn't supposed to do or necessarily that the operator didn't do any, that they didn't, they did something wrong. That's, that's not usually it. What I usually find in, and we're trying to be simple for a podcast, let's just say it's asphalt shingles only. Mm-hmm. What we usually find is that we failed to collect collateral data. So for example, did you measure the dents in the gutters? What direction on the house were those dents facing? Did you look at the wooden fence and capture the clean spots, the, the splatter marks on the fence? Yeah. The car damaged or the window screens damaged. I mean, it's the, it's either the, the validation of collateral damage or the absence of it that you have to have to support what is showing in those images, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I could see that. I could see where the drone is taking just the photos of the roof and trying to stand on that. What about the AI software? Has that been something that they shall have torn apart or looked at? Is, is the AI software on drones, is it is it accurate? Yeah, so actually, um, yes and no, right? It depends on what you're asking the, the image recognition intelligence software to, to do. If you say, show me a blemish, show me, show me a spot, it can very easily do that and with tons of accuracy, arguably much better than a human eye can do today. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem would be, is, is that bird poop or is that intentional man-made damage or right. is that a nail pop or is that hail damage? Mm. And so when you get to looking at granules and understanding the striated surface of a shingle, right? You've got granules and asphalt and a mat and asphalt again. So understanding what you're seeing and then what caused whatever blemish or spot you're seeing can be extremely complicated. Yeah. One question around that, whenever you are out or your inspectors are out looking at a roof to see if it's hell damaged or not, do you ever use drones? Yes, all the time. Is that to obtain visibility onto a, a higher, steeper area, or is it to actually use the AI to help you find the drone hits? Both. All the really? above. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's very interesting. You know, that's something that we talk a lot about is, is drones, and some carriers are 
interested in it. Some are no longer interested and some are getting interested, but it's one of those that we always have that conversation about. What do you think about drones? And I agree with you. It's not the drone, like the drone is, is there. It's the, it's the software underneath it that I think is so important. And that's what, that's what we have to keep our eye on. So a couple of last cut, you've got me kind of focused on drones for a second. I'll get off that. Sure. But before I go, one thing, first of all, a drone can't touch the surface of a shingle. Mm-hmm. That's a limitation that a drone was never going to be able to do. The other one is a drone can't lift up a shingle. Right. And so if we're going to look at wind, right, I have to touch that roof. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of hail damage, specifically if we think it's maybe intentional man-made damage, a.k.a. fraud. Right. Right. The drones, I don't care how good that imagery is, very rarely would I be willing to make a statement that it's intentional man-made damage just on those images alone? Yeah, I I would agree. Absolutely. Do you think that drones are underappreciated today? I mean, they've kind of gone from being the next big thing to a little bit outcast. What's your your thought on that? Oh, you just asked me on a hype curve. You're you're like, I picture like a Gartner hype curve cycle right now when you ask that (laughs) question. It's, I don't know, Rob, that I'm even qualified to say. What I do believe is that the future of this technology looks radically different than what it is today. And what I mean by that is when we start shipping packages around the United States using drones, then all the need for me to dispatch out somebody to go fly this asphalt shingle roof may arguably go away. The reason being is if I'm going to deploy that drone asset to deliver a package, it already contains all of the sensors it will need to survey every roof in America. Not only that, but I could prioritize the inventory of roofs in America so that following the storm, as they're delivering packages, they just deviate off that course ever so slightly and gobble up all the information I need on all these roofs. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the future of flying drones um, where, you know, you get a gig economy and these people go out and they fly these drones for what it's worth. Free advice is, is worth what you paid for it. Right. But I don't see that as being a business model that I'm going to invest in. Amazon and UPS and FedEx and others are going to operate more than enough drones for us to do all the drone work that our industry is probably going to want or need to do at some point in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the the data capture in a quick model. You see it as changing the business cases that are out there today as far as imagery and roof imagery in the long run. Is that what you're saying? It could. I I mean, I'm no better predictor of the future maybe than you are, but um, at least in my mind, I imagine this need for high-resolution aerial imagery, and there's just going to be so many assets in the national airspace that contain really sophisticated cameras and many of these assets are going to be at a really low altitude mm-hmm. at why would you need to leverage the current infrastructure we have today when you could enjoy and appreciate all this infrastructure, which is coming racing towards us, uh, regardless of the coronavirus, right? Like it turns out the virus is not going to stop this from happening. There's just so many cases, so many use cases for drones flying around. This is this is one of them. And they're going to be, you're saying they're going to be abundant in our air above us in the future. I, I believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you've kept up on all the FAA um, thinking and rulings on these things. Isn't that correct? I used to follow it uh, very much, Rob. Uh-huh. I don't follow uh-huh. it as much as I did. I'm, I'll be transparent and tell you I spend more of my time today in insure tech and property tech than I do in, in following the drone industry. 
Okay, well, that's a good segue into that. I want to hit on each one of your three areas. So let's let's move to subrogation for a minute. And why don't you start by just giving us a brief definition and working understanding of what subrogation is. Because in our audience, though we have a lot of people from carriers in our audience, we also have a lot of people who work straight in insure tech and their solutions that they may be working with or working on don't necessarily cover the uh, subro areas. So explain what that is. Yeah, sure. It's just in the investigation of a claim where we're identifying the causation of this loss, there's something there in that cause, which the genesis of that was a, a failure, a mechanical defect, a manufacturing defect, a design defect, an installation defect, uh, something that would then allow the carrier at least an opportunity to go after a party that was in whole or in part responsible for this financial loss. And then in that effort for them to successfully recover a percentage, you know, up to the entire hundred percent of the loss through that subrogation effort. That's, I hope, an elementary uh, explanation of what subrogation is. Do you think I did okay? Yeah. Give a quickie example. I know you have a lot of them. A hundred percent. So where we do most of our subrogation services is around non-weather interior water losses. So non-weather means that the weather didn't cause it. And interior, right? It didn't happen outside the house. This is a loss that occurred inside the house and water. So that the, the, the peril, if you will, is water. So if that's the case, we're typically talking about plumbing, supply side plumbing, which is pressurized, drain plumbing, which is not pressurized. And we're also talking about all the products and appliances in your home that carry this water. So it could be everything from a commode to a kitchen sink uh, to more commonly a water heater, a sump pump, a dishwasher, all the stuff that we all have in our homes we use daily that we just don't think about is actually trying to hurt us and hurt our homes. Let me give you the story of a, a one that I think most people relate to as a dishwasher, right? I hope we all have dishwashers in our kitchen. It's a great appliance, makes your life a lot easier. But a dishwasher is an appliance that doesn't last forever. Sooner or later, your dishwasher is going to break. Now, we all hope that when it breaks and misbehaves, that it doesn't leak. It just stops working. That's a great scenario. It stinks, but it's that's the right scenario. Unfortunately, though, there's a significant percentage of dishwashers that when they fail, they don't behave nicely and they wind up leaking in arguably the most expensive home or room in your home, the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So we tear up a lot of floors and cabinets and it's just a really expensive claim when you have a water loss in a kitchen. So Donan has investigated so many dishwashers that quite literally, we know every single component inside every single dishwasher from all manufacturers and brands going back to probably the early 20 teens. Like you give us the make, the model, and the serial number of a dishwasher, we can give you the genetic profile of that dishwasher. And hmm. more importantly, we can tell you based upon the make, model, and serial number of a dishwasher, we can tell you not only how old it is, but statistically how much longer we believe it will last before it fails. We can tell you statistically if that failure is going to be benign or malignant, meaning is it just going to quit or is it going to actually really misbehave and cause water damage? 
And then we can also tell you like what parts of the dishwasher based upon its make and model, which components within the dishwasher are going to be those components that statistically are more likely to fail. So that's sort of where I'm spending a big part of my life right now is taking the, the knowledge, the intellectual property that we've organically amassed just by doing all these detailed forensic investigations on the property that we all live in and saying, now that I've got this IP, how can I do really cool analytics to be able to use that for not only predicting subrogation outcomes, but can I also predict, frankly, risk management scenarios? Can I predict favorable underwriting scenarios? Um, You know, long story short is, gentlemen, if you care about non-weather interior water loss or the risks that, that come in that category, you know, we've just got really juicy, high resolution data that we've organically created off doing all the investigations that we've done. What have you done with that? What have you, I mean, you've, you've brought that into a product, right? We have. So we're launching a new product right now called Source 7. Um, there is a URL for it. You're welcome to Google it. Um, so Source 7 is, is very crude computer vision uh, where we're saying, send us an image of a manufacturer's tag off any appliance in the home. I say any appliance, that's a bit exaggerating, but the vast majority of appliances in a home are covered in our data and in our database. So if it's a water heater, a refrigerator, a microwave, an oven, the dishwasher, a sump pump, all the stuff, right, um, that's in our data. So all you have to do is take a photograph of the manufacturer's label the computer vision scrapes from that label, the make, model, and serial number, and automatically can score it based upon what your interest is. So not only score it, but we can you know, give you back all this high-resolution information on that specific appliance or product that's in your home. So for us, it is claims and subrogation focus. That's really the first market that we're targeting with, with this sort of tech. And then it's going to be risk management, loss control, and eventually someday underwriting, we hope. That's source seven. So I'm on source seven now. Looks fascinating. Um, what what about being able to tell us which brands are the least likely to break down? Is that something you've thought about? Kind of a, a consumer report those those that are the best. Yeah. So we've got that data, um, and there's a lot of risks to sharing that information. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would imagine. I would imagine there is. Yeah, you're sitting on this huge amount of data that you can do so much with, but yet you have to also manage the risk associated with that. So the having Source 7 uh, is really something strategically that we're pushing on quite aggressively right now with many different carriers and partners and opportunities. But the next part of the segregation business, I think you guys are going to like, we, we figured out that um, the industry has a really difficult time with evidence. More importantly, like if you have an adjuster inside a home, for example, and it's the commode that that broke and caused this water damage, even if they want to subrogate on this commode, they're looking at it going, what am I supposed to do with this stupid toilet? Like, how do I get it out off the floor? Then what do I do with it? You know, it's a mess. So what are you going to do with the commode? Or the water heater or the sump pump or, or whatever it is in your home. So we said... We've been for years, a whole portfolio of vendors and contractors that we use to go into people's homes to do this. And at the end of the day, they're not good at it. 
they're not trained at it. They don't know what to do. They wind up spoiling a lot of evidence because they break it and they mishandle it and whatever. We said, to heck with it. Let's just start our own company, a, a shipping and logistics company, and whose only purpose in life is to retrieve, ship, handle, and move evidence that comes from property losses. So about a year ago, actually a little more than a year ago, in this covert pilot mode, we launched a company called Lost Logistics. And there's still not a Lost Logistics website. We are we are actively developing that. But the point is that now we've done thousands and thousands and thousands of, of cases where we've gone into people's homes and we've extracted evidence and we've very carefully packaged it. We understand how to package property damage evidence and ship right. it across the United States. Right. Preservation. What a, what a great idea. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, it is a great idea. And this is one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on Lyle. This is, I think super clever. And for our audience, I'll speak for, I think most of our audience, we don't spend anywhere near enough time thinking about subrogation, uh, the potential of subrogation, the importance of subrogation. And part of it is just what you're addressing. The problem is, is we don't know how to, to do that. In the past, there hasn't been a vehicle for us to tap into to help us because it's kind of off in a corner. Right. But it's a it's a very high dollar potential area, correct? It's massive. Uh, one thing every one of our customers, we all we both organizations yours and mine work for the same many of the same customers and they all say subrogation is really important to our business. Mm -hmm. But it's really a, you know, hard thing, hard nut to crack. So what I've said is, look, if I can give you a tool on your smartphone or arguably give that technology on your customer's smartphone, the homeowner's smartphone, and, and they can make the decision go, no go, should I pursue subrogation or not? If the decision is go, if the technology says go, then all I want you to do is push the easy button, like push the button on your smartphone, Correct. click Correct. the button on your computer screen. By clicking that button, I'll dispatch somebody out straight to the house. They'll get whatever evidence is the subject of this loss, right? We know how to handle it and ship it. We'll take care of that evidence from the insured's location to our lab, our component testing lab, where the engineers and scientists live, who will then investigate that evidence to tell you conclusively, do you have a subrogation, a positive subrogation effort or not? And then is it up to the carrier from that point forward? Uh, it's always up to the carrier, Rob, yes. But I mean, our job is to give the carrier such clear and conclusive information that while, of course, the choice is always the customers, the, the data and the conclusions are so objective that it takes any guessing out of whether I should or whether I should not. That kind of leads us into a conversation about insure tech, which, which this is an area of Lyle Donut <laughs> that I just recently in the last year or two kind of really found out about and learned about. Tell us how you got into being interested in insure tech and what you, what you do in insure tech. Yeah, Rob. So thanks. Um, well, so I'm a gadget guy, right? And I'm just a geek for all things related to property innovation and property technology. And knowing a bit or a thing or two about claims and trying to understand where these these ecosystems converge and overlap, 
um, I just have a fascination about so many really amazing companies that we see in the last several years around the category of insure tech. And they're doing incredible work. So much of it is fascinating and smart and disruptive. But one of the things that's heavily been on my mind is computer vision. So this notion that the device that I hold in my phone um, is full of a brilliant sensors. How can I leverage these sensors? How can a, can a homeowner leverage these sensors either in a claim scenario or in an underwriting scenario? And, and if I can figure out how a consumer is going to someday use their cell phone to be an extension of an insurance company, then the next question is, how can my company's intellectual property make that solution better? So those curiosities are what drove me a while back to really go swimming in the deep end of computer vision and trying to figure out like who's working on computer vision for a smartphone, where's the technology today, where's it going, and up popped this little company out of Denver, Colorado. Amongst many of the things I found, I found this company in Denver called Flyreel. Yeah. And so... Um, when I found these guys and learned that they were trying to figure out how to leverage computer vision in underwriting, property underwriting, I literally called them up and said, I'm flying to Denver for a meeting and I'm going to barge in the front door. And they were like, we don't even know who you are, whatever. I showed up, I banged on the door, they let me in. And after an afternoon together, we figured out that we both cared a lot about the same thing, which is... How do I quickly at scale leverage a smartphone to understand a home? Yeah. Really high resolution details, right? Like not just the stuff you can get off aerial images and lots of databases, both public and private about it, about something sitting at an address, but like what's inside the home? What are the contents in the home? What's the condition of those contents? What's the condition of the outside of the home? Where are the risks inside of that home? Um, you know, all these are things that, that I care a lot about. And if we can use computer vision and artificial intelligence to help us get to that level of detail, you can really do some powerful stuff. I'm sure your minds are already playing with like some of those opportunities. Uh, yeah. So, so talk to us about Flyreel. How does Flyreel use a smartphone to do that? What is the actual concept there? Well, I would recommend that, you know, you consider the CEO of Flyreel, Cole Winus. He's a fantastic guy. Maybe he'll be a, a guest on your podcast someday. He can tell you truly about the ins and outs of how their technology works. But in a short version, it's a chat bot interaction. So if I can text you a link, you can click the link. You can download a very short uh, app, super simple. And um, then you start having this interactive experience with a chat bot. And all the chatbot asks you to do is binary sort of yes, no questions. It's, it, these are very simple questions that you ask someone to answer. Um, and you take your camera on your smartphone and you pan around a room. Like anyone can do it. If you can take a picture or record a video with your cell phone, you're now qualified to use Flyreel. So you take a video of like, for example, the inside of that kitchen we were talking about earlier the computer watches that video just like a human does. And the computer sees there's the dishwasher. There's a microwave. That's the oven. Here's the range. These are hardwood floors. That looks like a rug, right? It can, it can tell the difference between 
uh, a, a high-end granite countertop versus something much cheaper, right? Yeah. It can, you can the computer vision can see the difference between a television and a mirror on a wall. It can measure that, right? You can so you can begin to do high-resolution contents just using computer vision. Wow. So it, it would be a really good source for, for underwriting to get a, not only, you know, we can get so much data on the outside of the home, but this allows us to get so much in the inside of the home. It's, it's perfect for those underwriting applications where you want to memorialize what's going on inside of a home in pictures and videos. But the integration for Donan was, okay, so you saw a dishwasher. Can mm-hmm. you ask the insured based upon the front of the dishwasher, right? Just a picture of the front of the dishwasher. I can tell you who made the dishwasher because every dishwasher has their own sort of geometry and profile, right? Just off the image, we can tell you who made it. Then I can say, look, if you can take a picture, it looks like the one that I'm showing you on your, on your cell phone screen, it's the manufacturer's label. And it should be over here, like on the side of the door. Well, as soon as they take that picture, we have the DNA, the fingerprint profile of that dishwasher. So now you think about a risk management or even an underwriting. Like you could, theoretically, you can price the policy based on the age of the dishwasher. Right. Well, tell me, tell me this. So Flyrail appears to be very um, self-serving that the insured is able to do most of this work. And in this day and age, uh, insurer tech is really leaning that way towards enabling uh, the policyholder to settle their own claims. Is that, I guess, from an engineering standpoint, do we feel as though or do you feel as though insureds are able to capture enough data to, to correctly identify damage and settle claims? If we give insureds the photos, uh, the capability to take the photos and show us all of these things, it, is that accurate? Is it is that the future? Is that where we're at? It's not a one-size-fits-all answer. But I do believe that for certain types of claims, for certain perils, absolutely, yes. You will ask the insured to be your eyes and ears on the property. They will capture the data, and we are going to automate some significant percentage of the entire claims lifecycle. Now, is it going to occur for fire losses? Not anytime soon. Right. Uh, is it going to occur for any sort of catastrophe loss? Not anytime soon. But we're talking about non-weather interior water losses. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's a journey that we're going to get to. We're going to get there. I, I do recommend everybody go to flyreal.co. It is a neat website. The way they actually made it is it is a really neat website to go check out. Yeah, they, they've got a fantastic website. Is what drives your particular interest in insurtechs, the ones that you've invested in, is it a function of Donan and what you can use um, in your mothership, so to speak? Yeah, so that's a great insight, Rob. Broadly, yes. So I, I we are investors in insurtech. We are actively seeking uh, additional investments in insurtech. But one of the filters, the investment criteria that that we have is do we understand the, the technology and the value proposition? Do we understand the pain very clearly that the technology is aiming to solve? And then most importantly, do we as an organization have any intellectual property 
that makes their value proposition better. Mm. So if they can't look at us and say, gee whiz, I really want you to be an investor in our business and be on our advisory board or board of directors. And I really want you to apply some of your intellectual property into our business and what we're doing. And that, if that answer is no, then that's the no for the investment. I want to ask you about Matterport, Lyle, because I know that you guys have been very, very active and important in their growth and usage. And I think that at one point in time, or you may still be the largest user, one of the largest users of Matterport. Can you talk a little bit about that? And, and again, this, this synergy that you look for between product and your company. Yeah, sure. Um, Matterport, for those that don't uh, listen to the podcast, you don't know it, they um, manufacture a camera technology that allows you to do really brilliant scans of the inside of a property that is much like Google Street View. Using the imagery that they collect, the data they collect, you can then walk through the interior of a, of a, of a home or a building, a, a space, just like you would drive through Google Street View. It's a very similar sort of experience for the consumer. And we learned, we first learned about Matterport from actually a restoration contractor who was using it to document the damages in uh, interior losses, both before and after they would restore them. And so we bought a little bit of this hardware and put it into the field and immediately saw that, boy, this is super powerful tech and many use cases. Uh, we mostly deploy Matterport in our fire investigation business. So you have to consider that when a home catches on fire, a property catches on fire, the entire structure becomes evidence. And because it's evidence, um, if I go into that property and I start to dig and shovel and move things around, those activities by definition are destructive to that evidence. You can't undo what you've done. So what we quickly learned was that you can scan the inside of a property that suffered damage from fire and memorialize that property and all that evidence sure. in its natural in situ state. And that's really important if you're going to go to litigation and you got to show a jury, what did the scene look like when I got there? And then you can do that investigative work, which is, as I said, destructive, right? I'm tearing up the evidence as I sift through it and move it and manipulate it, et cetera. But using these high resolution 3D scans, you can memorialize that process every single step along the way. And you can show a lay person uh, or an attorney or an, a desk adjuster, you can show the world, this is what that space looked like as it was changing over time during my investigative work. And that's super important in, yeah. in litigation. Well, the other thing you can do is these, these scans. So Matterport has, has automated the ability to create floor plans. So with a click of a button, you can order a floor plan of an interior space uh, fully dimensioned, scaled up drawings. You can import that into uh, most claims systems. So for claims adjusting, um, you know, what a really brilliant application of that, that 3D scanning technology. We've gotten to know Matterport. And in fact, we had them on the podcast uh, after the Xactor conference. 
just a fascinating technology. And now that they're able to do it with the phone, it's even even more usable in a, in a scalable manner. Uh, you know, as, as we bring this to a close, Lyle, I'd like to ask you a question. And after talking about insured tech and all the things you're involved in, what if, if, if you had to think about your company in five years, what do you think it'll look like? Do, do you think it'll look different than it does now? It'll be transformed in five years or less. How so? How so? Well, very quickly, I think that our subrogation business, if, if we're successful, um, will be successful and we'll see significant growth there. Um, in summary, my goal is to develop the easy button for the industry around subrogation, um, not only when to pursue it, but how to do it. I want to make that as streamlined, as simple, as easy as possible. And we think there's a lot of growth opportunity around that. Um, the field work we do, the fire work we do, will leverage all sorts of technologies, whether it's Matterport and Flyreel and others. There's going to be a host of other drones, a host of other new tech we leverage in our fire business, but it'll still be going out into a scene and, and doing the investigation there. Same for our engineering business, but I do predict that as our engineering business um, has had competitive threats, everything from ladder assist to aerial images to, you know, there's a, there's a whole host of competitive threats that will continue to change the, the types of investigations we do. We're still going to be doing them, right? I still have to send a structural engineer to the home that's been damaged by the tornado. Um, but on the other side of our business where the innovation, the insure tech and investments live, I hope that investments like we've made in Flyreel that, by the way, we're considering several others, that as we work with these startups and these insure tech companies, that we're going to be able to take some of our intellectual property that previously you could never get access to unless you hire the engineer, which is expensive. You hire the fire investigator, or you put something through a lab that's, that's run by expensive talent. If we can take what we know in our heads and leverage that in several different insure tech opportunities, that's the good stuff, right? How do I take my knowledge and scale it across your smartphone? And that's today, tomorrow, and five years, that's probably where I'm going to be spending most of my time. Well, we have a lot of confidence in in your ability to do that ever since I saw you playing with robots when you were a kid. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I love what you had to say about the easy button and ease of use. I think that grasping that and bringing that to market um, is something that will be welcomed by everybody in the claim segment because let's face it, every every carrier is trying to do more with less. And so ease of use is, is a critical underpinning of that. And uh, with that said, I, I just want to thank you so much. I've, we've, we've been chasing each other for a long time to find a date to do this, and I'm glad we made it happen. I'm sorry we didn't get to Me talk too. more about coronavirus, but I think that my guess is is that people have, probably have enough sources of information on coronavirus, wouldn't you think? Completely agree. So we'll let you get back to trying to uh, keep your teenage kids in check. And, uh, and, and, and run in a business. It's a wonderful pleasure to be with you guys today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. What a well-spoken person. Yeah. 
Yeah, Lila's a very well-spoken person. I mean, he's one of those one of those people that you almost feel like he has it all written out. He never says mm-hmm. um or uh or pauses. He's no, he doesn't. Which I think speaks to what a very bright man he is. I think, yeah, I think it speaks to all of the knowledge is in there. And if you're talking about a subject that he's passionate about, which obviously he is, he's able to speak on it so clearly. Mm-hmm. I spoke with him at the ExactWare conference and was wowed in the 10 minutes that I got to visit with him. He actually told me in detail about the robot story that, that we alluded to earlier. Right. And he is a fascinating person who has a, um, a thrill for life, a zest for life, and, and really looking at InsureTech and uh, everything about what he does. He, he, he really believes in it, which is yeah. great. Yeah, he's one of those guys that, um, as my grandfather used to say, if you love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. And yeah. Lyle just loves what he does. And the way that he's pushing out the boundaries and the border or the, the, the boundaries of his business uh, mm-hmm. to push into InsureTech investments in Flyreel and being able to look at a technology and um, see its applicability for your own enterprise as well as its applicability for the the wider industry is not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, they've always been on the cutting edge. I felt like really leading the way. I've worked with with Donan for for years and years as an adjuster. We would order engineering reports on fires, but on their whenever they came out with their subrogation, and that they would actually go collect the piece. That was that was huge. I remember that as an adjuster thinking, "Wow, there's somebody doing something different that didn't exist before." And it sounds like he has so much more up his sleeve. I'm excited to hear. Uh, from him in the in the in the coming years, and I I loved his look to the future, and how excited he is, and the possibilities he sees for five years from now. We ask yeah. that question frequently, right? But not a, we don't usually get at such an enthusiastic answer, right? After the podcast, I told him I said, "Kudos to you for seeing a need and seeing a." Um, an opportunity and going after it because so many of us see it, but yet we don't do anything with it. Uh, and it seems like he's always looking and has had very good success. So it, he was, he was a delight. He was a delight. We thank Lyle for his time and uh, for his uh, presence and enthusiasm. And mm-hmm. we thank you for being with us uh, as you do on a regular basis and we hope that you join us next time as well and we thank you for subscribing and for being a part of our podcast and uh, we just want to also remind you that anytime you want to reach us you can reach us through our website which is fnoinsuretech.com and reach out to us we'd love to hear from you any thoughts that you might have about the podcast or about insuretech or insurance in general let us know and until you do that we'll say to you goodbye everybody